0: To be able to sing praises to the Lord and mean it because he has done such a work in our hearts, causing us to be born again. Oh, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. We continue our study this morning in John chapter 10. John chapter 10. <clears throat> a familiar... Portion of Scripture, speaking of the Good Shepherd. Of course, this discourse follows right after chapter 9, naturally. And we're reminded that chapter numbers are inserted in the text for us to help us navigate while reading, while studying, while memorizing a text. Sometimes between chapters, we have a transition, maybe a new location, or something significantly different going on, or a new discourse. But here we have a continuation from chapter 9. Here we have Jesus begin in verse 1 with a truly, truly, or amen, amen, which never begins a new discourse in the Gospel of John. So it would lead us to believe that Jesus is speaking to the same folks that he was speaking to in chapter 9. The main audience, if we remember, were Pharisees. Same Pharisees that just interrogated the man born blind. Same Pharisees that just excommunicated the man who was born blind, reviled him, and put him out. Well, why is this important? Well, it sets the context It sets the stage, it sets the tone, and the poignancy, and it should help us see a stark contrast between the true shepherd and false shepherds. The backdrop of the good shepherd discourse is the dereliction of duty of the religious leaders who were there supposed to be guarding the people. Lord, we ask this morning that you would give us help to understand your word. Lord, I pray you would help me to be faithful to your word this morning. For the glory of Jesus Christ, in his name I pray, amen. Several points for us this morning. Um, One true entrance, I'll... uh, remind us of these again. We have one true entrance, one true shepherd, one true voice, one true leader, and one true response, and it is to follow him. When we consider John chapter 10, we refer to it often as a parable. However, the word is, uh, translates into figure of speech. And John actually says this in verse 6. So let's just read this together. We won't read the entire chapter, but we'll read several verses. uh, Possibly, let's just go up to verse 15. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not the shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And verses 1 through 6 is our primary focus this morning. The idea Jesus was speaking of should have been familiar to the hearers when considering shepherds and sheep and pasturing, not pastoring, pasturing, should have been familiar to the hearers. Richard Phillips explains it this way. Strictly speaking, this story presents an allegory rather than a parable. In those days, most towns possessed a common sheep pen into which the local shepherds would bring their flocks. The pen had high walls for protection and a paid gatekeeper who manned the pen. The sheep from the various flocks would be mixed together. When the shepherd came for his sheep, he would report to the porter, the gatekeeper, for admittance, and then he would call his own sheep. Not only would he call them in general, but he would start calling out their names. And knowing the sound of his voice, his own sheep would come. One of the things that the gatekeeper had to watch for was thieves and robbers who would try to scale the wall in order to steal sheep, especially during the dark hours of night. The word for thief means one who steals, and the word for robber means an assailant who uses violence. So we have two types of sheepfolds as we consider the New Testament context. This one here, the high-walled sheep pen in town, which is being referred to. But then as we study on and we uh, consider further on in chapter 10, which we'll see uh, later on, not today, there's the smaller sheep pens out yonder where the shepherd lays down at the entrance at night. And the shepherd was the door. No sheep gets in without stepping over the the shepherd, and no wolf gets in without stepping over the shepherd. The shepherd was the door. So we recognize the audience, who was there. We recognize the cultural context, sheep, shepherds, pens, uh, places that they were held in, this gatekeeper there. But we also have the Old Testament texts as well, and I'm just going to read these. For us, you can write them down. No need to turn there. All the way back to Genesis, though, Jacob called God, the God who has been my shepherd all of my life to this day. What a prayer to, to pray. God who has been my shepherd all of my life to this day. In the Psalms, we find God calls the shepherd and being. Uh, God, we find the psalmist calling God the shepherd and being the shepherd of the people. Well, Psalm 23, which we already read this morning, and Psalm 28, which says in verse 9, Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherds also and carry them forever. And in 77, verse 20, You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And in Psalm 80, verse 1, Oh, give ear, shepherd of Israel. We also find the people of God called his flock or his sheep. Psalm 78 and verse 52, he led forth his own people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And in Psalm 79 verse 13, we, your people and the sheep of your pasture will give thanks to you forever. And in Psalm 95 verse 7, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands so we see in the old testament we see in the cultural context we understand who the audience is primarily and then we look at the text and we see that there is one true entrance there is one true entrance And as we study John chapter 10, it's important to recognize as well Ezekiel 34. That is part of the context here. That is part of the references here going back to Ezekiel 34, and we will in a moment. So get ready to go there in the Old Testament, Ezekiel. It is the background that gives us greater understanding of the terms Jesus uses here in John chapter 10. We're just setting the foundation this morning we, we're looking at the introduction of this, really. Let's read verse 1 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, says the Lord. And we're reminded that when Jesus says this, truly, truly, or amen, amen, or I tell you the truth, he is getting ready to say something very weighty. This statement that is coming is a very important uh, statement. It's connected with the preceding statement. And we, rem- we remember what we studied before. This is a connection with the blind man being given sight and with the teachers of Israel responding to him and interrogating him. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, when he says that everything stops, listen up. He who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up another way is a thief and a robber. So in your sanctified imagination, consider the sheep pen, the high walls, the one entrance, one way to get in, one way to get out. Unless you were a thief or a robber, then you could scale the wall and try to steal the sheep, try to destroy the sheep, try to hurt the sheep. There is one door, there is one gate, there is one way into the fold. Just as there is one door, there is one gate, there is one entrance into uh, the kingdom of God. There is one door, one gate, one way into uh, the entrance into heaven as well. Entrance is through uh, the doorway. If one climbs over the wall to get in, he is a thief and a robber. We would recognize right now if someone came in through the door, we would say, okay, there's someone else coming to the door. A little late, but they're here. Someone crawled through the window right now or tried to, we would say that is not right. They're coming in. They have ill intentions. They must be a thief or a robber. This word thief kleptes uh, you know kleptomaniac where we understand that that word a sneaky thief like judas iscariot sneaky conniving slimy slippery type and then a robber was a bandit a plunderer using violence like barabbas in john chapter 18. So it's important to grasp that the aspect of shepherding that Jesus starts out with here in chapter 10 is that one of a protector of the sheep, one who defends the sheep from thieves, robbers, and wolves. Who is the true shepherd? Jesus. There also are under-shepherds, which would be elders. There are to be watchmen on the wall to watch after the sheep. Those entrusted to watch over the sheep. God has people uh, from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament to today of those who are appointed to watch over the sheep. What will they do with that responsibility is the question. As we consider Ezekiel 34, please turn there so we consider uh, the reference from the Old Testament. <clears throat> and we will go back to this uh, text again, Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks. This entire chapter is relevant, but we're not going to look at the entire chapter this morning. We're going to look at the first 10 verses and just make some observations. But this is uh, Ezekiel This is a prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. And we can apply this to today. We can apply this to the New Testament as Jesus speaks to those who were supposed to be watching over the flock. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel! who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you have dominated them. Heavy handedness. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. Notice the possessive pronoun here. My flock wandered through all of the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered all over the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey, my flock has become food for all the beasts of the field, for a lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore. But I will deliver my flock from their mouth so they will not be for food for them. Consider that text. Consider those who are in charge, who have been appointed, a better way of pointing, appointed over shepherding sheep. And that last text in verse 10 Where the Lord says, I will deliver my flock from their mouth. What business does a shepherd have having a sheep in his mouth? He must be a wolf in order to have a sheep in his mouth. The Lord rebukes the shepherds of Israel, feeding themselves, not feeding the flock. The disease you have not healed. It sounds like the man born blind. They did nothing for this man. And when he was healed, they did not rejoice with him. They did not seek after the lost. They had an inward focus. They dominated the sheep. And whose flock is it anyway? My flock, says the Lord. These are my people, says the Lord. This is a flock here. You belong to God. This is the bride of Christ. We have four under-shepherds here. Now, if I ever say shepherd, I mean under-shepherd. So don't get me for the vernacular. But we have four men here who are appointed to watch over the flock. Whose flock is it? It belongs to the Lord. You belong to the Lord. The leaders of Israel were rebuked for lack of care of the sheep and dereliction of duty in Ezekiel. And Jesus is rebuking the leaders in John chapter 10. They were thieves and robbers, fleecing the flock, not guarding or nurturing them. That was true of religious leaders then, and it continues to be true of some religious leaders today. The Pharisees had the opportunity to minister to the man born blind to rejoice with him, to listen to what he had to say. Instead, they reviled him, spit upon him, and cast him out. They were thieves and robbers. They were slick, manipulative, vicious, and they preyed on the weak. We see the same thing today. Men in leadership of the church who fleece the flock instead of feeding the flock. Who allow wolves to come in Those who mistreat the Lord's flock are thieves and robbers. These men are Judases and Barabbases. From those who rip off the flock financially, to those who abuse the sheep multifariously, to those who are harsh hirelings, be sure that God will deal with them. He will pull his sheep out. He will have some sheep dig in. After all, they are the people of God. The bride of Christ, then God will not let his bride be treated like a harlot. Leaders in ministry must guard the bride of Christ as under shepherds. The wolves will continue to come in, and sometimes they look like sheep. Now, I don't have any sheep at home, but I have chickens. And we have a chicken pen. 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 And there I go again, dear. Uh, There's an E, not an I. But it is recognizable if there was a wolf that would come in to try to get one of the chickens or a coyote. We'll just say wolf for the. I wouldn't go out there and pet the wolf and welcome him in and say, oh, he's a cute wolf. Let me take a quick picture. Let's look at this and send it to everybody. It's a wolf. He must be dealt with like a wolf. He's a danger. There is no compromise. He must be dealt with. He's hurting the chickens. Or he wants to hurt them. Much more so should we as believers guard one another, or we as leaders of the church should guard against wolves who would come in and seek to devour the sheep, those created in the image of God, those purchased by Christ's blood. So we as men here must guard you, guard the flock. And men, I will say this as, a, as a, uh, just an application for us as well. Men with families in here, with wives and children, you are the shepherds of your home as well. You still need the shepherds of the church, the under shepherds, but you're shepherds of your home as well. You're to protect your family. In many ways, we understand that. But spiritually speaking, there is an all-out assault on your children in case you have not heard what this world wants to do to them, what this world is doing to them. And we must be shepherds of our home as well, under the one true shepherd. There's one true entrance into the fold. There is one true shepherd, and that is Jesus Christ. He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. He has the rights to enter. The credentials of being a true shepherd. Jesus has been declared the Son of God. He enters the right way by the door in contrast to every other way. Jesus contrasts himself as the true shepherd with all the other false shepherds that were there in that day. He is recognized as a shepherd when he enters the door, when he comes to the door. The doorkeeper knows him. The sheep know who he is. They recognize his voice. He is indeed recognizable. He is the one true shepherd. And then there is, thirdly, the one true voice. Verse 3 in John. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Again, a large fold is apparently in mind here. Several flocks from different shepherds ushered in, kept in there, in a large area, one entrance, one gatekeeper guarding, and then the shepherd comes for his flock. The shepherd comes for his sheep. He would come and call his sheep with his voice, and his sheep would recognize his voice. And out of all those flocks, his sheep would respond to him. Jesus knows his sheep. He calls his sheep by name. His sheep hear his voice. Jesus calls each one of them individually. He leads them out. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So much theology is in these texts here that that deal with the gospel call and particular redemption for whom Christ died for. The shepherd knows his sheep. He calls his sheep by name. Verse 27 and 28, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, says the Lord. And I give eternal life to them, not to all, but to them. And they will never perish, perseverance of the saints, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And in verse 14, Jesus again, I am the good shepherd and I know my own. And my own know me. The true shepherd knows his sheep because they were given to him by the father. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Look at John 17 for a moment. John 17. Jesus' prayer, it's called the High Priestly Prayer. I just want to point out a few verses in here. As Christ lays down his life for his sheep, he prays particularly for those sheep in whom he laid his life down for. Verse 2, even he's praying to the Father. Let's begin in verse 1. Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Jesus was getting ready to head to the cross. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, To all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Verse 9, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world. Jesus praying to the Father. I, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And in verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see the glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. Every Christian is included in this prayer. Every one of his sheep is included here. A true shepherd calls his sheep. As a shepherd would call out among many sheep of many folds. Christ calls out his sheep, those sheep for whom he died for, those who respond to him one by one, to the voice of the Good Shepherd. As I mentioned last week, I remind us again, Jesus calls individuals uh, with the gospel, with the uh, irresistible gospel, the effectual call. He called Matthew in Matthew chapter 9. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he followed him. And Zacchaeus, the man of short statute, remember him in the tree in Luke chapter 19, when Jesus said, come down and follow me. And, and Zacchaeus did. And I, I have to go there because of the repentance that took place there. Chapter 19, verse 5, I'll just read it for you. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today. I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him, received Christ gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble. He has gone into the, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, here is repentance. This is what it looks like. This is how you could say, wow, Zacchaeus is born again. Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. And as we'll see, Lazarus in chapter 11, Jesus calls Lazarus by name. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth, came forth. When a true shepherd calls his sheep, they hear his voice. And they respond and they follow him. Those who Jesus calls by name are irresistibly drawn and individually summoned. Steve Lawson says this, Jesus taught that his sheep, those given to him by the Father, are enabled to hear his voice and come to him. Once deaf to spiritual things, they are made to recognize his voice as that of the good shepherd. Providing cultural background to this shepherd motif, Hendrickson writes, during the night, the doorkeeper has been with the sheep. He's acquainted with the shepherd. Hence, when the morning he hears the shepherd's voice, he opens the door. The sheep also immediately recognize the voice of their own shepherd. They not only hear, but listen. They obey. This is true with respect to actual sheep, but in a higher sense, it holds with respect to all true disciples of Jesus Christ. God's elect hear the voice of the shepherd because they belong to the shepherd. So there is the one true entrance. There is the one true shepherd. There is the one true voice of the shepherd. And there is the one true leader. Verse 3 and 4. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all of his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. The Lord may be referencing uh, Numbers chapter 27 and verse 15 through 18. I'll just read it for you. You could jot it down if you'd like. Moses spoke to the Lord saying this, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who will go out and come in before them, who will lead them out and bring them in, so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like sheep with, which have no shepherd. Ultimately pointing to Christ, Moses prays for one who will lead God's people. This reference is also the reference in Matthew chapter nine, verse 36, where Jesus sees the people, He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited, like sheep without a shepherd. Sheeps need Sheep need shepherds in their lives. We have the one true shepherd, but in His providence, the way that God appoints things in a local church. There are under shepherds. There are elders to which Christians must continually be under and submit to and be fed by. The true shepherd calls them, goes ahead of them, and he leads them out and they follow him. Where does he lead them? What does he lead them to? Remember Psalm 23. Green pastures and quiet waters. Consider that text when you're in turmoil. Consider that text when you are at a crossroads and there's a decision you have to make and you don't know what to do. Consider that in rough waters. Consider that at the very end of winter when the, you're over it, so to speak, and you want green pastures and quiet waters. What does he lead them out of? Whatever hinders them from following him to green pastures. He leads them out. The context here in this chapter, in here when Jesus was speaking. In the times of Christ, he was leading them out of dead religion. He led the man born blind out of the dead religion of Judaism. What did he lead you out of this morning? Jesus calls his own and leads them out of all kinds of false religions and anti-God worldviews. He has led some out of the dead religion of Roman Catholicism. Some here, former Roman Catholics who say, God saved me years ago and he led me out of that. He has led some of you out of cults that claim to be Christian. He's led some of you out of astrology. Some out of uh, rank paganism, some out of Marxism. Christ also draws his sheep out of churches that have gone astray, where the shepherds that were appointed to watch over the sheep have mistreated the sheep or have fallen asleep on the watch. What did he lead you out of? Has he led you out of your sin? Are you still in your sin? Are you still in that pen? Have you not been let out just yet by the Lord? He's at the door. He's calling you. Will you have ears to hear? Will you respond? The one true leader. The one true response. Jesus also told them, verse 5, a stranger They simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of stranger. Stranger danger. They will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. How long does this take? Will they maybe follow for a little while? But they will flee. They do not know his voice. A shepherd in ancient Near East culture then and now lead the shepherd, or excuse me, lead the sheep with their own flock, their own flock by their voice. The shepherd goes ahead of them, calls out to them, leads them, they follow because they know his voice. Now, if a stranger was to come and do the same thing, he would be a thief and a robber. Or as verse 12 indicates, the hired hand. Who doesn't care about them? He's a danger to them. Verse 6 This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Now we understand there's times when uh, things were said and the disciples said, What does this mean? But there's times here when he is speaking to primarily. Uh, the context would lead us to the primarily to the, the leaders, the uh, Pharisees. They would not understand, they could not understand. they would not believe because they were not of His sheepfold. And when they do begin to understand what Jesus is saying, we've seen the responses thus far. They get hostile towards the Lord. They try to kill the Lord, they try to trap the Lord. They reject him and their hearts grow harder towards him. Are you hearing the voice of Christ today? How will you respond? For those of you who do not know Christ, who do not know the true shepherd, will you respond in repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ, submitting to his lordship? recognizing that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him? Will you follow him like the man born blind who was healed by him? Will you repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Or will you reject his call, cover your ears, turn your heart away from him, and become callous towards Christ like the religious leaders? There's one true response, and that's to follow him. And maybe some in here are believers, and they've, been, they've gone astray. Some of you maybe are not following him as you could or as you should. And maybe you've gone on, you're getting sidetracked. Well, he's the shepherd, and he's ready to lead you. He is there. Repent and, and get back on that path that he calls us to, the narrow gate and the narrow way. God is so loving that he is, he is faithful, and he is, for those who confess their sin to him, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is the true shepherd, the good shepherd. He leads his people. Are you following him is the question. There are numerous false shepherds. We are to flee From them. As we consider the Good Shepherd this morning, as we get ready to prepare our hearts for communion, our brother's going to be facilitating and giving a devotional for the communion this morning for the Lord's table. Remember again one true entrance into the fold, one true shepherd, and that's Jesus Christ, one true voice, and that comes from the Lord. As he calls to his sheep, one true leader that leads us out of our sin, that, that breaks us out of our bondage, out of our chains. He leads us out of that and leads us to green pastures and, and quiet waters and continues to lead his people. There's one true response. That There's one response that matters, and that's to follow him. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this reminder from your Word this morning as we begin our study in chapter ten. Of the Good Shepherd, thank you that you um, you warn us of false shepherds. You warn us of thieves and robbers. Thank you that you uh, guard us against that. And some in here may be wounded and hurt. Lord, your sheep, we understand as sheep, as your children, we get hurt in various ways. But we come to you as the one true shepherd. You lead us beside quiet waters. You lead us to green pastures. You care for us. We thank you. Please prepare our hearts this morning as we would prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. For your people, in Jesus' name.